What? Now, I'm really sorry to be upsetting you, but I have to warn you. Warn me? We were attacked by a werewolf. I'm not listening to this. On the moors, we were attacked by a lycanthrope, a werewolf. I was murdered, an unnatural death. And now I walk the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted. Shut up. The wolf's bloodline must be severed. The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. What? Please believe me. You'll kill people. Nurse! Listen to me! Nurse! The supernatural, <laughs> the power of darkness, it's all true. The undead surround me. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. I'm lonely. Take your life, David. Kill yourself before you kill others. Please don't cry. Beware the moon, David. Psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I am the eater of wood. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another horrifying installment of the greatest, greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. This is episode number 193 in American Werewolf in London. That's right, it's the greatest greatest october wow yeah a lot of planning went into it i would say we're already off to a strong start <laughs> if you're confused about what's happening go back and listen to the last episode scream where we explain it nine episodes our biggest greatest october ever for no reason other than we just wanted to do it yeah people saw that scream episode pop into the feed and like you know a little chill went through their body <laughs> When we recorded Scream, it was a little bit chilly, and it felt like fall was happening. Then all of a sudden, we had like some 90-degree days. I, was, I literally had to like change my clothes yesterday because I sweat through my first outfit. But then today, it's a little gloomy. We can maybe see fall on the horizon. Please, I'm ready for it. We're getting ready for a lot of horror episodes leading up to number 200, which we hopefully will be able to release on... October 31st. Yeah, it is always weird to watch like a, an American werewolf in London on an 85 degrees day. Before we jump into the episode, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Give us a rating and review. Yeah, a lot of activity lately. On Apple Podcasts. We're just having a good time. We're having fun. <laughs> Some people would call it fun. We're enjoying 
seeing people listen to the show we get feedback it's been great that's true yeah i feel like this is the best time in the history of our podcast that's true which i guess is a good thing you want to feel like you're continuing to like get better and build the audience i didn't say we were getting better (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i feel like we probably peaked at some point a while ago we just haven't accepted that we're in that period of regression now maybe a little bit all right Although I do think it's peaks and valleys. Sure, yeah. The peaks are certainly more fun than the valleys. <laughs> Sometimes we hit a rough spot. You know, it's well, beyond It's going to happen. I mean, come on. You can't be on all the time. So let's talk American Werewolf in London, 1981, written and directed by John Landis. Had a $5.8 million budget and made $62 million at the box office. Yeah, kind it's of a pretty su- big hit. Surprise hit for me. You know, watching this, you really wouldn't feel like this was a hit movie it stars david Naughton, jenny agutter i'm not really sure how to say her last name and griffin dunn not a ton of household names in this one no but i do know the two guys from other things david Naughton was in hot dog the movie that's a favorite of mine he was also famously in an episode of seinfeld where he played an alcoholic okay and Griffin Dunn is in Scorsese's After Hours, which is a couple years after this. That's right. And probably his most famous movie, I would say. In 1981, it was the year of the werewolf at the cinemas in America. For some reason, three major werewolf movies went into production and were all released in 81. The two most famous of those would be The Howling and American Werewolf in London. An American Werewolf in London was by far the most successful. The third was Wolfen, which was a box office bomb and is sort of largely forgotten by this point. I've never seen it, so I can't really comment on the quality of the film. The werewolf character, I mean, it's always kind of the same thing. Once you become the werewolf, there's not a lot of getting out of it. (laughs) You know, so you're kind of just on the countdown to when you're going to get killed. Yeah, I, I don't know off the top of my head if there's one where they successfully save the person. I know in Ginger Snaps they tried. That was yeah. the only other werewolf movie we've done. We uh, Technically, we <laughs> the did best the trilogy. Werewolf movie. <laughs> yeah, in my opinion, the best. That's my right. favorite. Yeah, Landis, by 81, was known for comedies, and it was the success of some of his comedic films that allowed him to get the budget to do an American Werewolf in London as it was a script that he had had for about a decade or so. He wrote it after working in Yugoslavia as a production assistant and witnessing a gypsy funeral for a criminal that they didn't want to return from the dead, and he started to kind of spitball this idea of the undead and all of these different things, which you wouldn't immediately associate with werewolves necessarily until you see this movie, and there's like a whole undead aspect to it yeah (laughs) i was just thinking about something but i was like "Ah, i don't even want to go into that he shelved the script for a decade he made the kentucky fried movie animal house the blues brothers amongst other films those were all successful you don't really see a lot of household comedy writers directors go off and do horror movies although it has happened landis would sort of hit a bunch of different genres throughout his career. His yeah. most successful was comedy by far, because then he would do the movies with Eddie Murphy after this, which were also big. True. But 
He did have some success in horror. He also did a segment of the Twilight Zone movie, which brings us to That's our right. favorite segment of the podcast now, which is where we have to like acknowledge oh, something yes, horrible right. that's happened with all of these people. Sometimes it's the wine scene. Sometimes it's one of the actors, one of the directors, one of the producers. In this case, Landis, we know, was involved with the horrific accident that occurred on the Twilight Zone set, which killed like a few people. Oh, boy. He did go to trial and was con- uh, acquitted. <laughs> I was oh, going to wow. say convicted. <laughs> he was acquitted, so I don't know how much more you can really hold over his head. I mean, it happened, and I do think that if something like that happened now, and especially the way that Landis and Spielberg and some of the people like handled it at the time, I don't think that would go over well now. Yeah, that's true. It definitely did seem very callous and was like, who, who cares, like moving on kind of an attitude <laughs> a yeah. little bit i don't want to speak out of school but sure. if you go back and you you watch some of the the documentaries about it and, and really get into the story of what happened and what people's reactions were and well it's a, over like a forgettable movie yeah well i think that's a big part of it, i think yeah. part of that movie's legacy is is the curse that sort of hung over it so i don't know how excited people want to get over it yeah that's right but yeah that happened after an american werewolf in london so doesn't really factor in some would say perhaps maybe not the worst thing landis has done because he did have a son named max landis who (laughs) was also (laughs) terrible oh yeah really but that again doesn't really have anything to do with this movie i don't feel like we really need to get into it it's just we're acknowledging um, it and then moving on yeah our favorite segment every episode (laughs) acknowledge something and move on those things like i said don't really have anything to do with this so whatever if you want to look into it, look into it. This <laughs> movie, go. though, it's mostly known for the transformation scene, yeah, which was unlike anything people had seen up until that point. And it really kicked off what I would consider to be the peak of practical effects, yeah, which would run throughout the 80s and also which would go hand in hand with body horror the effects are almost shockingly cool compared to the the look of the rest of the movie it has sort of like a a dull look to it and i feel like the friend is it jack yeah the character name that whole part where he's got like his neck exposed and it's all like yeah that bloody and breathing that that looks awesome i think it was the first ever Academy Award winner for Best Makeup, and that went to Rick Baker. Baker and Landis would then be enlisted by the biggest pop star in the world, Michael Jackson, for the Thriller video, which is, of course, the most famous music video of all time. You can recognize some of the similarities directly from An American Werewolf in London in the Thriller video. Around this time, you had Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. You had The Thing, The Howling... The Fly, which would come in like oh, 86. Yeah. This is the body peak horror. of body horror yeah. and practical effects, in my opinion. Not to mention things like Nightmare on Elm Street, which was mostly practical effects. It was a great time. I think, you know, you just said that it stands out in a movie that is otherwise kind of like drab and dull looking because of the setting and everything. I would say that it stands out when you compare it to what this shit would look like now. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a disconnect for me when it comes to the computer generated gore and yeah. effects and 
body horror like, stuff now. Uh, yeah, we talk about it a lot on the show, but it is it's something that I miss in movies now. The fact that like it just seems like it wouldn't even be a consideration to like figure out how to do this without using yeah computer effects, whatever CGI. Yeah, and I think for people who are conditioned to what movies look like now, younger people who have only ever really seen modern stuff, if you go back and you look at some of the stuff, a certain percentage of them is going to think it just looks fake. Right. They're going to see through it. But you have to keep in mind what people were used to seeing <laughs> by the time 1981 rolls around. Yes. Especially when you compare it to what they did in other werewolf movies. <laughs> and I think your mind would be blown. By some of the shit that happens in this movie. And for me, who's, and I, and you, who are sort of of that age where we've experienced both in real right. time. Yeah. Like, we've kind of come of age while during computer like, stuff has been Yeah, during that transition born. period. I feel like Jurassic Park is kind of like the crossroads where it's like... Uh, yeah, there it, was it is. Still... It was a mix of both. Right. And I still feel like the practical effects in that, I'll put that up against most movies that are coming out now yeah i think we're the perfect people because of our age demographic to see yeah. the differences in both i would agree we are the preference the perfect people <laughs> all you need to know or all you need to use as an example is zelda in the original pet cemetery versus oh, yeah. zelda in the remake <laughs> It's which true. one seems scarier and which one do you remember? I oh, can't even remember Zelda in the new that's one. That's true. Yeah, the, the the original Zelda horrifying still I mean wh when you put it on now it still freaks me out. I just watched it recently again and I was like, yeah, this still works whereas I can't remember what it looked like in the new one. I know it no, was nor do terrible. I. Yeah. In addition to the body horror, this was also in sort of a peak of the horror comedy. Gremlins, what? Evil okay. Dead 2, Beetlejuice. Yeah. And yeah. this movie is a big inspiration for Edgar Wright, who sort of towed that line as well with Shaun of the Dead. That's true. And that's the thing. I, I do like this movie. It's hard to uh, really say exactly what I guess one would love about it because they talk about getting it made and it not being funny enough to be a comedy and not being scary enough to be a horror movie. But that sort of weird balance does make it unique and sort of enjoyable. Yeah, I think we were discussing before we were recording this about the comedy in this movie not holding up, and it feels sort of dated. But it's dated in the sense that you would also say that like the comedy in the Blues Brothers or like the first season of Saturday Night Live is dated, where it's hard to imagine why people thought this was funny. Yeah. Because the humor in these things is more reflective of a temperament and a mood that doesn't exist anymore it's very like post-vietnam which relied a lot on like absurdist humor and very like yeah. silly stuff that doesn't really make sense to us now and so i do think the legacy of an american werewolf in london is more on the horror side because the comedy doesn't really agreed yeah make sense to younger people in fact i i think nowadays it almost feels like shades of like a b-horror movie Especially with those dream sequences. Yeah. I definitely think that they took inspiration from from a lot of different places and mixed that in. And those dream sequences, especially like the craziest one, feel more like almost exploitation. Right. Grindhouse cinema because it's just so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into it. 
we'll hit on different things as yeah. we go. The movie starts with two American backpackers, David and Jack, walking through England. It's like a walking tour. Although, how? I mean, it seems like at the part where it shows them kind of like walking through the hillsides, there, it seems like there's nothing around. Like, how far of a walk is this going to be? And there's no plan, it seems <laughs> like. We don't really know what they're doing exactly. There's vague mentions of maybe going to Italy or Greece or something like that. Although, it was reminding me of seeing our two friends, Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan, just making their way. <laughs> <laughs> they start doing, like, Michael Caine impressions. <laughs> yeah. I could definitely see... The guys from the trip stopping at the slaughtered lamb. Well, there is the part where they keep talking about the Moors, and I'm just like expecting one of them to do a <laughs> yeah. Roger Moore impression. Our heroes, David and Jack, are trekking across the Moors in Yorkshire. It's gray, overcast, cold, but not cold enough to snow, which is generally the worst kind of weather where it's wet yeah. and miserable. They get a ride from this guy who has all these sheep in the back of his truck, and the thing that he tells them as they're getting off the truck is keep off the moors stick to the roads right so they walk for a while they come across this town at night yeah i gotta say my kind of bar the slaughtered lamb they find this local pub called the slaughtered lamb which has this cool sign yeah right (laughs) of like some sort of a weapon like an axe like or something going through like a severed head of a wolf it looks medieval (laughs) right away jack just not feeling it not digging the sign <laughs> and when they go inside not digging the vibe there's yeah. like a hush that comes over the pub boy have i experienced this moment in my <laughs> life a few times there's been some bars i've stumbled into that it's like whoop we made a mistake but then like you're already in the door you're kind of committed the whole situation is awkward the bartender's talking to you in a way that's like letting you know you're not welcome but they're still going to take your order <laughs> Yeah, I think that happens to a lot of people once they turn 21. Yeah. You end <laughs> There's up always like a few bars that you just shouldn't go to. You accidentally go to like the motorcycle club bar. <laughs> nice looking group. Hey, listen, at least it's warm in here. Look at that. Yeah, what about it? It's a five-pointed star. Well, maybe the owners are from Texas. <laughs> Remember the Alamo. I beg your pardon? Oh, he was just joking. Joking? I remember the Alamo. I saw it once in London, in Leicester Square. She means in the cinema, that film with John Wayne. Oh, yeah, of course. Checkmate. Right, with Lawrence Harvey, and everybody dies in it. Very bloody. Bloody awful, if you ask me. <laughs> Here, Gladys, Tom, did you hear the one about the rushing? Oh, oh, no. Don't you, woman, and let me speak. Ask him what the candles are for. <laughs> you ask him. All right, left in a short to it. No, no, imagine It's a pentangle, a five-pointed star. It's used for witchcraft. Lanchini Jr. and Universal Studios maintain that's the mark of the wolf man. Oh, I see. And you want me to ask them if they're burning candles to ward off monsters? Right. <laughs> Wrong. All right, then. There was this aeroplane over the Atlantic on its way to New York. And it was full of men from the United Nations. Oh, <laughs> Go on, ask them. You ask them. So halfway over the ocean, the engines run low on petrol. 
So they have to lighten the plane. So they heave out all the baggage, but it's still too heavy. So they chuck out all the seats, but it's still too heavy. Finally, this froggy steps up, shouts, Vive la France, and leaps out. Then an Englishman. Yeah. He steps up, shouts, God save the Queen, and he leaps out. But the plane is still too heavy. So the Yank delegate from Texas, he steps up, shouts, Remember the Alamo! And jokes out the Mexican! that board before. Uh, Jack, we better go. The interior of the slaughtered lamb is a total sausage fest. Oh, true, yeah. <laughs> There's a female bartender, but everybody else is a dude. Yeah. <laughs> and mostly old dudes. On the wall, there's a five-pointed star, which Jack notes right away. There's candles. It does stand out. At one point, Jack asks what is the meaning of the star i think the vibe has chilled a little bit the one guy's telling this long joke <laughs> yeah and people are seeming to be laughing and so they've sort of blended in they're having like a drink i think they're having tea but the room is brought back down when jack brings up the star on the wall yeah uh, the feelings of unwelcome come back and so they're gonna leave yep this is the first time where you notice that there's a secret amongst the people of this town and they all seem to be in on it. Well, it is weird because the dialogue that happens between them after our two that boy travelers leave, <laughs> <laughs> and they seemingly know the whole deal, that there's werewolves out there, at least one werewolf. Don't you get the sense that there's multiple werewolves and this is something that's been going on? But I, I don't know. The bartender's like you guys can't let those dudes go out there on their own it's hard to tell because once you get into the story of the movie and what is explained to us after certain events happen it does seem like we're dealing with the end of the line okay yeah for all of that the, logic to make sense true but i know what you're saying because if it was just one in the beginning how would all these townspeople know well, and I could see you think why it's they, been the same guy. For well, it just seems like they haven't been able to end the line, okay. but and they're just aware of it. And it, we don't know like why this town or what caused it or or what exactly is going on there. But sure. they all seem to know about it. Seems like it's been going on for a long. But time. But it does seem like if there's only one and they're aware of who it is, why they're not able to stop it, or maybe they don't know who it is. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's because hard to say, but it, just to have this many people be think, aware of it, it's something that has to have been going on for a while, like beyond just this one dude. I think once you get into it, you start poking a lot of holes in this movie pretty easily. <laughs> but I also like, okay, they don't want these two American tourist douchebags hanging out in their pub 
it, yeah, what, it seems like their motivation the is because they don't want outsiders to know that they're dealing with this for some reason. Okay. They're, right. they're really concerned about keeping this private. And, to, and what is the deal with the stars? <laughs> the star on the wall. I don't know, but I think it has something to do. The, they, don't they mention the that I think Jack mentions it was in like one of the werewolf movies that it was like to ward off. Yeah, evil things. I think it was in like The Werewolf or one of those early werewolf pictures That's probably right. from Universal or something. I don't know. But like one with like Lon Chaney in it or something. Okay. I wonder if it works. Has the werewolf ever tried to go in the bar? <laughs> the bartender, she doesn't want them to just leave. She's the the one that seems most conflicted at this point sending them out into the night knowing what's out there. Well, the one one of the patrons does basically say we know that they're going out there. We know there's danger and we're not going to stop it. Basically, that's murder. <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, well, so it is then. It's yeah. murder then. Well, the thing that I mean when I say when you start asking questions, you can kind of poke holes in this is they seem to know there's a werewolf, but I guess you have to assume they don't actually know who the werewolf is because... Well, we told them to stick to the road. Once you get to the point where one of our heroes turns into a werewolf, they also turn back into a human, and you would only turn into a werewolf during a full moon, so why don't they just kill this person if they know that they're a werewolf? Yeah. They're acting as if the werewolf is some mystery that comes out of nowhere, but clearly it's not. I mean, it's a man. I guess maybe it's just because they know the man. I don't know. So what you're saying is they're living with this. Put the whole village at risk, though? That seems kind of nuts. You can't lock this person up in a cage on the full moon? Apparently they choose not to. (laughs) They let him run free in the moors. But at this point, Jack and David have no idea what's going on. So they're going to leave, and on their way out of the bar... They're left with the same advice or similar advice to the one that the guy who gave them a ride. That's right. Stay on the roads, keep clear of the moors, beware of the moon, though, is added. Yeah. Which I don't really know how you beware of the moon. No, it's hard to hide from the moon. So they leave. And which, I got to say, this doesn't seem like a great plan. I mean, wandering, it's the middle of the night, seemingly in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, they're never, like, consulting a map, even. Right. They have no idea what's going on doesn't take long for David and Jack to wander off the road, though, and onto the moors, seemingly ignoring the advice that was given to them, and they hear a howling in the night. And the howling is very ominous and very wolf-like. Oh, sure, yeah, it doesn't feel very safe. And the more times they hear it, it seems like it's getting closer and closer, so they turn back, but they realize that they're pretty much lost, which <laughs> isn't surprising since... That felt like a possibility, I have to say. The moors are basically just these very like hilly areas that England has. There's moors in other countries too. And they're characterized by low level vegetation. Nothing can really grow on them because of the acidic quality of the soil or something like that. So they have like that very like mossy looking ground and nothing else. And so everything looks the same, (laughs) especially at night. And once they wander off the street, they don't really know where they are. So I don't know really know what they were thinking. I know. It does feel like it was half-baked. I guess that's it, though. It's the confidence of these tourists that just think that they know what the fuck is up. It's like, nope, stick to the roads. I'd like to see some social media influencers get lost on the moors when there's a werewolf on the loose. That's yeah, just, me too. That's just my thoughts on it, <laughs> if we were going to do this in 2020. 
Once yeah, they turn back, taking pictures on their Instagram, <laughs> posing in front of the slaughtered lamb. <laughs> yeah, like wearing a thong. Right. <laughs> Once they turn back for the slaughtered lamb, they get lost. The growling starts. It's closing in. David trips and falls. Jack goes to help him up, and he's attacked by some sort of a beast. Well, that's the thing. If this werewolf is out and it's hunting and it just needs to eat people, what other choices are out here? I mean, these pub people, I don't care if you're sticking to the roads. I think these guys were done for. That I couldn't quite figure out. I wasn't sure if there was some sort of like okay, maybe logic like or magic to it or this, something. That, that star is like painted Who on the road. Maybe the wolf just sticks to the moors. Who knows? And I don't really think the werewolf is eating anybody. It doesn't think? seem like it eats them. It just them. kills them? It just rips them to pieces. Okay. It's like this insane Well, I always got this bloodlust. Because when our hero in this movie becomes a werewolf, he's not hungry for regular food anymore. So that, I always thought that that's what it was, that they yeah, that's had to true. eat people. But, like, you think he eats six people that night? <laughs> I don't know. It's a lot of people. Yeah, well, he hadn't been eating. You see what the corpses look like, though. That's true. I don't know. I guess you're right. So Jack is attacked, and he's mutilated and mauled to death, very bloody. The first time you see this movie, it's sort of a shock, because you're not expecting a character to just die right off the bat. Right. You sort of think this is going to be like a buddy comedy-style movie, and then one is just just ripped to shreds immediately. (laughs) While his friend just runs away as quick as possible i mean i can't blame him i mean what are you gonna do here he does return though david flees and then he returns and the beast attacks him as well but then is shot and killed by some of the townsfolk who apparently have grown a collective conscience they were feeling guilty and went out in search of david and jack but instead of a dead animal david sees the corpse of a naked man (laughs) lying next to him before passing out lunatic Basically, what I see every night before falling asleep, just a (laughs) naked dead man laying next to me. Yeah, it's a strange scene here. (laughs) And from this point on, there's a shift in focus because you may have noticed for the first like 10 minutes of talking about this movie, we're talking about Jack a lot. And I do feel like in a weird way, Jack is like the main one of the two. He seems like funnier and... He's asking the question about the star. Almost he's like more, more out in front. Yeah. And then he's gone. And now we have like, David. We're stuck with this douche. Awakening in a hospital in London three weeks later. Never really sure why he's out cold for three weeks. Because the doctor at one point is like, you have some cuts and bruises, but you'll be okay. And I'm like, well, how do cuts and bruises yeah, explain I, a three-week coma? Right. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. It was comatose. That seems bad. Maybe it was shock. I, I don't know. There's a couple of nurses hanging around. One of them's this chubby redhead who apparently took a look at David's penis while he was unconscious. Well, sometimes you just got to have a look. Hard to imagine them slipping these kind of jokes into a movie now. Well, especially if it was if the gender roles were reversed. If it was a male nurse and a female <laughs> Well, if it patient. was a male nurse, do you think that he would look at her tits? I, it's hard to imagine a guy being like... I, I looked at her <laughs> vagina when she was unconscious. Yeah, I don't know that he would be admitting to either. Well, yeah, I know, but it's a dark thing. There is definitely like a lack of humor when it's a guy. Yes, but that's I what think, I'm trying to I say. I definitely right? think this is supposed to be funny. Yeah. We don't see her do this, but this is where she confirms that he's Jewish. Although, as the other nurse points out, and this is 1981, but 
doesn't really mean anything anymore and it means pretty much zero now because like almost everybody gets circumcised but i guess this was still like kind of a thing yeah because david would have probably been born in the 50s okay i don't know (laughs) you think he's this movie takes place in the 80s right yeah so you think he's in his 30s no he's in his 20s okay 80 well i'm 20 is 60 yeah and then a few okay all right, all right. <laughs> oh, i'm picturing like 55 to more 85. math to come <laughs> <laughs> was not eight this movie isn't came out in 1981 okay yeah all right. <laughs> where movie, are you getting 85 from every movie that came out in the 80s came out in 85 for me <laughs> there's this other nurse though the i hate to say it but the prettier of the two <laughs> nurse price i'm surprised you hate to say that i, I don't really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you happen to notice well i think you know, they cast sort of a a goofier one to have the joke about sure. the penis. We're just calling a spade a spade here, folks. Nurse Price, who we're going to find out later is Alex, she's already infatuated with David in a way that is inexplicable. I know. I it buy never it, really makes sense to me. <laughs> I just justify it in the way that's just like, if you're just partially somewhat attractive or even normal looking, once you get that like different country thing going for That's you, That's true. I think it works a little bit. Anything different? I, I took it to be more of a what's it called? A, a Florence Nightingale? Okay. Is that what they call that? That kind of a situation? A fantasy of her nursing him back to health? Yeah, yeah, right. And then her being like into it. I agree. And you know, you do you do hear those stories. The American Embassy guy comes in. He looks like fucking Tobias Funke from Arrested Development. Yeah, I know. <laughs> This is like the humor in this movie that feels like a swing and a miss in 2020, but is never enough to like derail the movie or anything. It just sort of falls flat for me. He comes in and he's like very callous about it. It's been three weeks, dude. Get over your friend being dead, even though he's been in a coma the entire time and he has no idea what's going on. And this guy's just like, like, oh, don't worry about it. We've already sent your friend back to New York to be buried. Oh, great. Yeah. His parents and your parents have been informed, all this shit. And then he's like pissed at David when David's not like more appreciative of, of this information being delivered to him. Well, how long were they supposed to be here? Because now three weeks have passed. I think a while, but it's hard to really figure out what's going on because it's not the summer and it seems like they're still in college but i don't know maybe they're supposed to be like a year out of college And what was david's plan like becoming now you would think he'd kind of be in a hurry to get home i don't know now with all this that went on this there's a lot of like the funeral maybe well i think it's already happened he missed it yeah good point David is inundated by the doctor and this guy and, and several other people telling him that they were attacked by an escaped lunatic. Where did he escape from? <laughs> an asylum, I guess. Okay. David is adamant, though, that it was a wolf. No one seems to believe him. And almost immediately, he starts having dreams and visions of running naked through the woods, stalking, killing, eating a deer, even. They had to be careful here, <laughs> yeah. though, because apparently David Naughton was not circumcised. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so they didn't want to have like any direct full frontal nudity although you do see, kind of see his deal swinging yeah, around I a little you bit got a, a look at a little something yeah but you never yeah. get like a right a we, we weren't yeah we weren't seeing the circumcised situation 
Just a little wiggle waggle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> when he's running, because he's running around naked a lot in this movie, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, fucking Landis to get an R rating. Like he cut out some of the hot sex scene between him and Alex later, and yeah. cut out a piece of toast falling out of fucking Jack's throat later, oh, and he wow. cut out some of the violent shit, which has never been restored, and it's not on like the Arrow Deluxe box edition of this but so i don't know need, where like, this stuff is a naked david in this as much as possible yeah we could everything trim any of that out stays, yeah <laughs> it's weird too because there's like a porno scene later in the movie oh yeah which is seemingly left untouched but the sex scene between him and alex is chopped down to be not as yeah wild it's as kind it of a was. bummer i gotta say I- i'm kind of in on alex oh who wouldn't be she's a thank dream. you <laughs> she's a dream she really is alex takes a special interest in david and his recovery there's a bizarre scene where she wants him to eat so that he can take his pills so then she feeds him which really plays wow. into this whole <laughs> nurse fantasy that she's got going on in her head and then yeah, she ends up going reading on in my to head him. too she reads to him later no one is believing his version of the events, but meanwhile, David's nightmares while he's staying in the hospital are getting more and more intense. And that brings us to one of the more bizarre sequences in the movie, and it's so shocking and unexpected that you're not really sure what to do with it, even though it's pretty obvious that it's a dream. Oh, sure. And that's the Nazi werewolf home invasion murder. <laughs> I don't really know if it they're supposed like... to all be werewolves because they look like just random monsters. It, but It feels like it could be like a short horror movie all within itself you know it's completely insane maybe would inspire one of the grindhouse like fake trailers suddenly david is back at home with his family his mother his father and his younger brother and sister i I can't really remember what david's doing like is he doing like homework or something he's like sitting at a table (laughs) yeah i don't know there's a knock at the door his father gets the door he opens it and is immediately gunned down with a machine gun (laughs) These monsters sort of dressed up like SS soldiers come into the house. That's right. They butcher his family. They machine gun down his little brother and sister who are little kids, and you see their bloody bodies what, for a second on the ground. Him at knife point? Yeah, they have a forever. They took a knife and put it to his throat while they murder the rest of his family and like set the house on fire, and then they slit his throat. <laughs> Just such a brutal death. <laughs> It's so shocking and weird. And he wakes up and Alex is next to him. And then she's like, oh, I'll open a window. And then she opens How? the curtains and it's a dream within a dream. Because then oh, there's one right. of those people there and they stab her. <laughs> if you had Alex as your nurse, like how often would you be pressing that need help button? <laughs> hey, can you come here? I need the window open. And then like two minutes later, it's like, you know what? It's getting hot in here. Can you close the window? I need my diaper changed. <laughs> It would get real dark. Oh, wow. <laughs> For some reason, she's like, I don't even know why you're wearing a diaper. What are you, what are you doing? How did you get that? We didn't put that on you. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> the thing that always strikes me as bizarre at this point, and it takes a little while to think of it or notice it, even after that American Embassy guy comes in, at least for me, after this dream where you actually see his family, I'm like, well, all right, he was walking in a foreign country with his friend who gets brutally right. murdered and he gets attacked so that he's in a hospital for three weeks. I know. His parents don't come? I know. 
I guess they're they just like, he'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll see him when he gets back. We'll let him enjoy the rest of his trip. That's what I mean. I do think that there's things in this movie where you even question it for a second. You're like, this doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah. Why would this ever happen? I don't know. Yeah, maybe David was actually killed that first night with Jack and anything after that like didn't really happen. It's like a vanilla sky type <laughs> yeah. thing. What would be the point of that, though? <laughs> Shortly after these nightmares, David gets his first visit from Jack. Jack's face and neck are torn to shreds, and there's like blood everywhere sort of oozing out of him, and it looks oh, yeah. really cool and I shocking. And the fun part of this movie, I think, is Jack's demeanor as a corpse, as an, uh, an undead vision for David. I love this, and it only gets better as the movie goes on, like Jack basically convincing David that he needs to kill himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because by the end, when there's like you know all the other victims, with it's just like six people basically like. suggesting different ways yeah. to do it. <laughs> but aside from like his horrible injuries, Jack is still essentially human. He's just a real horror show. Oh yeah, something be- we can relate to. Because of his nightmares, David can't trust what he's seeing or experiencing. They chit-chat a little bit about Jack's funeral. He talks about this particular young lady that he was interested in who came to the funeral and was distraught, but then ended up finding solace in the bed of another guy that they both think is like a dork, and so they were bummer, bummed out about it. Yeah. I I do envision that would be the type of conversation (laughs) one would have if you were able to. Yeah. It is funny to think about the conversation you'd be able to have about your own funeral. Right. I mean, mine, it would just be like a real sad. Just a lot of crickets in that. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's just like he broke his neck trying to suck his own (laughs) dick. We knew it. (laughs) The real purpose, though, of Jack's visit is a warning. He confirms David's creeping suspicions. We were attacked by a werewolf. He also says that now he walks the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted because even though the werewolf that attacked Jack and killed him is dead, he transferred this bloodline to David. Yeah. And this bloodline must be severed. The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. Kill yourself <laughs> before you kill others. <laughs> now, how quick did Jack like learn all this stuff? Is this just something that becomes... Immediate knowledge. When you die, you just are enlightened. You just know everything, I I guess. It is strange that this classic horror movie that is regarded as a classic, and it was successful, and it won an Academy Award for makeup, and has this reputation and legacy, a major plot point and a major part of it is a dead character trying to convince his friend who's still alive to kill himself. It's really a bizarre choice, and if right. they did remake this movie today... You feel like they'd cut that part down or do it kind Yeah, of they would probably try to do it differently, or I don't know. You could see his friend kind of like haunting him still, but yeah, not really just badgering him about killing himself. Really, for the good of humanity, you need to kill yourself. <laughs> Something that... Isolate that clip. Some of the direct messages our twitter account gets <laughs> <laughs> on a daily basis yeah that's like in the review section on itunes <laughs> they did make a sequel to this movie called an american werewolf in paris which i've never seen i have seen it 
It sucks. <laughs> I, it did get bad reviews. Yeah. Landis didn't have anything to do with it. I think Julie Delphi is in it. Maybe. Yeah, I think yeah, she is. Yeah. It was years ago that I watched it, but I do remember that, man, it stinks. There was a time when Landis considered changing the name of this movie to An American Werewolf in Paris when it looked like he might not be able to actually film in England. There was some oh. sort of budgetary issue, but it worked out. Yeah. Okay. David understandably freaks out. He calls for a nurse. Of course, Alex comes running. <laughs> she, like, <laughs> tackles other nurses that are trying to go. <laughs> yeah, I called dibs. She's working 24 hours a day at this point. That's what it feels like. <laughs> and David does the most normal and understandable thing. When she arrives, he kisses her. <laughs> <laughs> and this is sort of what I was trying to explain to you oh, yeah. about, like, how... I don't want to necessarily, like, single out just John Landis, but it right. was, like, the humor... Movies like Animal House, which Landis directed, but like Caddyshack or like the National Lampoon style, which is what some of Landis's work sprung from. Just sort of like this, we don't really care about developing the female characters at all. They don't really matter. So, of course, it just makes sense that she's on board for this. Oh, for yeah. some reason, we don't really know. And then he just kisses her and that's normal. Right. She only exists to be romantically linked with our in hero. a way, yeah. Jack's message is you will transform under the full moon, which is in two days, but David is going to be discharged from the hospital the next day. Alex, completely rational and normal, invites David <laughs> to stay with her. They yeah. barely know each other, and he's a patient at her hospital, and he seems to have delusions of werewolves and being attacked by a monster, and yet she's just like, yeah, why don't you stay at my place? Yeah, and like pretty quickly kind of really puts it all out there once they get back to her place yeah she shows david around into all the rooms and then she's like i'm gonna take a shower cuts to them just having sex in the shower basically right before that i mean she shows him the apartment or whatever and i I feel like he's kind of like all right what's going on here and then she just starts like listing off her sexual history like how many sexual partners she's had and then she's like i'm gonna take a shower Yeah, but he's, he's like, like how many dicks did you suck yeah up? well listen it's a lot less than the girl from clerks <laughs> but he just joins her in the shower yeah well she's coming on pretty strong i guess yeah good for him yeah I mean, this certainly wasn't something that happened a lot in my life this is like a 90 minute movie they want to cram a lot of stuff with the werewolf transformation and, and that kind of stuff into it so the story is all over the place at times and very rushed and so like this stuff works for the movie but you're not really sure why any of it's happening (laughs) yeah the idea that this hot nurse from a hospital is just like scooping up a random patient and being like hey come back to my place and stay here and we're gonna have sex how annoying would that get so quick okay you bring the guy back, maybe there's an initial rush of excitement. But then, like, the reality of this guy just, like, staying at your apartment while you're going to work long Yeah, what's shifts, the long-term like, plan here? Like, she's working, like, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. shifts <laughs> at the hospital, and this dude's just, like, at her apartment, like, eating her food, even though he can't really eat the food. But, <laughs> I mean, I just feel like I would so quickly get annoyed that I'm going to work and, like, I'm just leaving this person at my apartment. Yeah, in the we, scenario where I'm bringing, she David doesn't back really to my know apartment. this guy. Yeah, who I know. knows what he's doing there by himself? <laughs> what I know weird stuff. He's it does doing. seem nuts. In Alex's apartment, after they fall asleep together, David wakes up and goes to the bathroom and is visited 
by Jack again, who is now in a more advanced stage of decay. He's turned green. You can definitely recognize the similarities between Jack's look here and the thriller video. Oh, yeah. Very similar stuff. He's looking more zombie-like at this point. What are you doing here? I wanted to see you. Hi, David! Put that down. Okay, you've seen me now. Go away. I'm sorry I'm upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. Get out of here, Jack. Tomorrow night's the full moon. You're going to change. You'll become... I know. I know. A monster. You've got to kill yourself, David, before it's too late. Are you really dead, Jack? What do you think? I think I've lost my mind. I think you're not real. I think you're just another part of a bad dream. You've got to believe me, David. Believe what? That tomorrow night, beneath the full moon, I'll sprout hair and fangs and eat people? Bullshit! Oh, God damn it, David, please believe me. You'll kill and make others like me. I'm not having a nice time here. You've got to take your own life. I will not accept this. Go away. David? This is not pretend, David. I will not be threatened by a walking meatloaf. David doesn't really know what to believe, but he's carrying on conversations, and he's like, so... I get it. You're one of the undead and I'm a werewolf. And Jack's like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Tomorrow night's the full moon. You're going to change. You've got to kill yourself, David, before it's too late. And that's sort of the message here. And I guess David's not really buying this at this point. Well, if you saw something that you felt like could not be real or true and it was telling you to kill yourself, would you just immediately be like, yeah, well, I guess I will. No, I don't think I would kill myself, but I think I would be like, well, this sucks. I'm going to turn into a werewolf tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I'd believe that enough if this undead person, if my undead friend was telling me that. And it seems like you had gotten attacked by a werewolf. Yeah. I guess you could argue it away by being like, well, I'm having all these crazy fucking dreams. Maybe I'm just like hallucinating. I suffered some sort of head injury. Yeah. I mean, for Christ's sake, I was in a coma for three weeks. He is willing to confide in Alex about this, though. He's told her about both of Jack's visits. Alex comes out and calms him down. Werewolves aren't real. What are you talking about? David's doctor, the one from the hospital, Dr. Hirsch, I believe. I love this guy. You know what I was thinking when this guy gets, like, very invested in this case? Dr. Chalice. Like, (laughs) the level of interest and steps that he's willing to go... For this case. Now, Dr. Chalice had a, a, a better reason. Well, explain reason. what Dr. Chalice is. Uh, from Halloween list. 3. <laughs> I don't know if dropping a Halloween 3 reference unexplained is going to fly for everybody. Well, listen, if you don't know, then you need to. So Yeah, I would say I would agree with that, but people might not be up on their names of the characters <laughs> from Halloween 3. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Hirsch does get involved. He starts to question 
But that's what, like, the official account of this incident and starts to maybe think that David is telling the truth, although I don't know why. He... I mean, you feel like you would be like, something seems fishy about this. I mean, are you w- really on your day off driving up to the slaughtered lamb to see if you can figure out what really went down here? Doesn't seem like he's got a lot to do. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, I'm only basing that on the fact that he does this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't have a lot going on, so. He takes a trip up to the slaughtered lamb to do some digging around. Evidently, David's story didn't sit right with him. He encounters the same people at that pub who all deny any knowledge of the attack. Well. They act like they've never even heard of it, <laughs> which well, I mean, it's like, is not really the right way to go about coming off as innocent. Yeah, Why would you act like you didn't even know about the it? The doctor is aware that a murder happened here recently. Yes. And... Actually, really, a double murder, because Jack was murdered, and then the deranged lunatic was murdered. Yeah. By the townspeople, by the way. It's like, yeah. and not a lot seems to be happening in this area. This would be, like, the biggest event That's what I'm saying. In the history I think of this town. denying all knowledge is a mistake. Right. They should have just stuck with the story that was the official story and acted like that was true. Dr. Hirsch senses the same hostility and unwelcomeness that David and Jack originally did, so he's going to head out. However, when he gets out into the rain, one distraught pub patron gets his attention standing over in this nearby graveyard for some reason. <laughs> hey, come here. The man tells him that David should not have been taken away from the town, that he'll be in danger, and that others will be too, that he'll change. It's almost the full moon. And then that other older guy comes out, and he's like, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> like, so dramatic. And then the guy who was telling Dr. Hurst that r- all this stuff runs away. <laughs> yeah, are there any women in this town? What is going on in this place? I don't know. It seems really weird. But, like, even the doctor's motivation through all this, beyond this, when he gets back, it's like this this idea that he's, like, caring for his patient, David. But it's just like, what is he even going to do? I don't know. It, Again, I'm not really sure why he's so invested in this. Is he really that concerned about whether or not there's like a werewolf running around? Or I don't know. Well, like, and yeah, right. By all accounts, David, aside from the mystery three-week unconscious spell that he was in, this wasn't that serious. He said himself, just a, a few scratches and bumps. Alex leaves David home alone while she goes off to work. Dogs and cats are reacting to David as if something's wrong. Sort of the traditional thing that you see in a lot of werewolf or monster movies. Right. The pets seem to be keyed in to it. He's trying to pass the time. He seems bored. He's not hungry. He can't figure out anything to do. The sun starts to set. The full moon rises. And we witness the transformation, which we have alluded to throughout the podcast. Yeah. It's super cool. But the way it starts off, it, it does, it feeds into the body horror thing because he's going through like some sort of spell before this even before his body starts to change like he's like his body's on fire and he's like ripping his clothes off yeah i think what they set out to do here is to imagine a man actually turning into a wolf and how your body and your bones would literally have to change yeah and how that would feel and look and they tried to make that as realistic as possible so they actually have a snout growing out of his face his like hands are expanding and his feet are expanding and it's really grotesque and it's what makes this movie i think if it was missing this transformation this movie would be forgotten pretty quickly if it 
if it bombed out on this part of it, I don't know if there's anything that unique about this movie that would make people remember it that much. Yeah. Yeah, they do nail this sequence, though. In wolf form, running around, David kills a couple arriving at a party. He's on the prowl. He kills some homeless people. Hirsch returns to the hospital and discusses what happened on his trip with Alex. And it's sort of like this embarrassing moment where he's like asking the other nurse, like, has Alex been in contact with David since he's been checked out? And you can tell the other nurse knows like what's going on. She doesn't know what to say. <laughs> in contact. That's an understatement. Inappropriate. Uh-huh, yeah. Inappropriate, Alex. Right. This is <laughs> not appropriate at all. And so Alex has to be like, yeah, he's at my apartment. <laughs> Thankfully, Hirsch is not really worried about the, pro- shame. the propriety <laughs> of this. And he's just like, okay, I'm trying to find him. So they try to call David at her flat. No answer. Hirsch isn't all the way there yet. He's still talking about mass neuroses of the town where the slaughtered lamb is and derangement and sort of oh yeah, buying into it because of like a mass hysteria he's he's not like thinking that there's going to be an actual transformation or anything yet they call the police so that they can try to find him but it's scaring alex (laughs) she's like thinking oh great i fucked a werewolf (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing that's weird because they are like dancing around like what actually is the issue here yeah i don't think that hirsch is there yet but she's starting to get nervous i guess because she actually likes David and has had sex with him and I guess is trying to plan some sort of a future with him. So she <laughs> Although is more that's a, willing to roll with what David has told her. So like, yeah. even though it sounds crazy, maybe she's like, well, all right, his dead friend keeps visiting him and telling him he's going to be a werewolf. So like, I don't know. This is starting to sound strange. I don't know what's going on. Her future plans, a werewolf with dual citizenship. <laughs> In total... David's moonlight killing spree as a werewolf ends with six slaughtered victims. Yeah. What a night. What a run. In the morning, he wakes up naked on the floor of the wolf enclosure at Which, the London Zoo. I think this part is kind of funny. <laughs> Just that the other yeah. wolves are like nonchalant to him being there. There's a scene in Cat People, the remake. I know I watched Cat People, the original. I don't remember if that scene's there either. This will be a reference that I'm sure resonates with a lot of the listeners. Well, I'm explaining it, though. I'm not just yelling out a character name. <laughs> Cat People is a movie with what's-his-face from A Clockwork Orange, Malcolm McDowell. Okay, yeah. Directed by Paul Schrader. It's Whoa. a remake. Natasha Kinski. All right. Is nude in it a lot. Okay. Annette O'Toole from Stephen King's It, the miniseries, also is nude in it. Wow. It's pretty... Do you have Cat People? Yeah. All right. Anyway, there's a part where the person turn, who turns into a cat wakes up in an enclosure as well at a zoo. Okay. Because they find this like jungle cat. They're like, oh, shit, we got to get this to the zoo, and then turns back into a person. Oh, boy. So, yeah, that came out after this, I think. I think that was 82. So, I don't know. Is this a common thing? Does this happen in other werewolf movies where the person ends up at a zoo with other wolves or something? Maybe. I'm not an expert in the genre, actually. The werewolf genre? Yeah, I mean, I don't even think I've ever seen that Wolfman movie with Benicio Del Toro. It sucks. Okay, there you go. The transformation in it is okay, but it is a lot of CGI shit. Right. It was a pretty big bomb. Didn't really go over well. I guess Ryan Gosling is going to do a new one with the guy that directed The Invisible Man. Okay. Because they're kind of rebooting a lot of these. Yeah. 
classic it seems like they movies. always there's always talks about getting the classic monster movies going again well, i think and, every time they try the first one always bombs yeah. but this time they did the invisible man first and it actually was a big hit so okay they're trying it again i don't know it's sort of like superman where it's just something that appeals to a different time and yeah. i just don't know if people can get as excited about like a very straightforward dracula or frankenstein or the wolfman you know what i mean like it's just it's very basic and it feels like it's been done so many times that it's hard to like reinvigorate interest in it but they successfully did it with the invisible man but that's one that's probably been done the least out of all of those classic monster movies true I'd like to see a new creature from the Black Lagoon, but I guess some would say like yeah, uh, the Shape of Water right. is that. And so the one best picture. So all you need to have is a lady with a hot little bod fucking a monster nude. That is weird. And people it, will get into it yeah. and give it an Oscar. <laughs> people are like, "Is this bestiality? I don't know, but I like it." You know what? <laughs> it's weird enough for me. A lot gets made out of Best Picture winners. We talk about it a lot on this podcast. We've talked about the La La Land Moonlight thing. We talked about Green Book and all that controversy, Parasite, whatever. It is shocking to me that people aren't more like, well, The Shape of Water won, so now I don't know what to do with myself. Like, Why isn't that the weirdest one that's ever won? (laughs) It's such a bizarre movie to win Best Picture. I know. Anyway, David has no memory of the previous night's events, he manages to make it back to one would think Alex's apartment. Whatever happened is not good when you wake up nude at the zoo. <laughs> and that has happened to me a few yeah, times. I would imagine. This whole sequence is also something that doesn't really age that well, where he's just like naked running around and then he like calls a little boy, a little boy, a child over to the bush to get those balloons yeah that is weird right there's a naked man calling a child over (laughs) but he manages to make it back but because everything in this movie happens like in what feels like a very condensed amount of time david quickly realizes what he must have done like there isn't some big denial period there isn't some extended time where he's in the dark well he can't fill in the gaps of like a pretty big time period like yeah from the night before i mean i'm assuming he did wake up with wolves yeah and his friend who is dead has been telling him he's gonna be a werewolf there's a lot of clues they really hit him over the head with it so when he hears the news report on the radio in the car about the murders he puts it all together and has a meltdown he tries to get himself arrested that doesn't work yeah although it's like kind of weird I, I feel like he does enough to get himself arrested that yeah he well no it, it's a combination of he does enough but then why doesn't he just do something crazy like, why doesn't he just take a swing at that cop yeah yeah like he just he gives up like it's kind of a dumb scene it really. is but i guess they want to show you that he has like a conscience and he's like a good person yeah he's like upset about it he runs away from alex he calls it would be home. weird though it's like if you don't believe in werewolves <laughs> And you're like a detective investigating this, and this guy's trying to turn himself in for this? Yeah. You'd be like, you didn't do this. How could you have done this? Look at these bodies. <laughs> but if you didn't believe in werewolves, but what would you think did? But I'll tell you what. We're going to lock you up tonight, <laughs> and then when the full moon comes out and he turns back to a werewolf. This was the other thing that was bothering me. How many nights are you a werewolf for? Yeah. I agree. I thought technically 
based on like the lunar cycle that there's really only one night a month that it's considered like the actual 100 percent full moon yeah and i don't know what's written into like the werewolf handbook yeah yeah (laughs) because the implication here is and of course it does happen that he's going to turn into a wolf again for a second night so how long does this run last like how long is it a quote full moon i don't know I'd like to get a look at Alex's full moon. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> People are like, oh, God. Wow. Dynamite material. Just when, we got, <laughs> just when we got some listeners, now they're really swimming in the yeah. toilet once again. You can't <laughs> click that unsubscribe button fast enough. First, a Dr. Chalice reference. Now this low-hanging fruit of a joke. Oh, God. It's good stuff. David calls home from a payphone and talks to his sister and... His parents aren't home. I guess his parents, totally unconcerned about what's going on, just gallivanting around town. (laughs) He says, tell mom and dad I love them. I love you too, and I love Max. I wonder why the boy's name is Max. Half-hearted suicide attempt. Doesn't really take. One last visit from Jack. Yeah. Now in extreme decay. This sees him outside the uh, adult theater? Yeah. A lot of like the bonus materials and like the in jokes and stuff always are titled like "See You Next Wednesday," which is the name of the porno theater. That's right. Which I guess is a joke. Okay. See yeah. you next Tuesday. Right. <laughs> See you next. I don't know. Hey, I don't really get it. Certainly a joke, <laughs> one that doesn't really inspire laughter, but <laughs> much like this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Jack is now very much a skeleton. Not even really Griffin Dunn at this point. I think it's more like a puppet or something. It's hard to really even tell what's going on there. Yeah. They go into the porno theater, into this screening of See You Next Wednesday. Inside the theater... Jack Nicholson from The Departed. (laughs) Yeah, with a big dildo. That's right. Pee Wee Herman just jacking (laughs) off. You look awful. Thank you. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't even know if it was me that killed those people last night. I don't remember doing it. What about the zoo? Well, even if I'm not the wolf man, I'm crazy enough to do something like that. And look at me, here I sit in a porno theater in Piccadilly Circus talking to a corpse. I'm actually glad to see you, Jack. I want you to meet some people. David Kessler, this is Gerald Bringsley. Gerald's the man you murdered on the subway. We thought it best for you not to see him, as he's a fresh kill and still pretty messy. Yes. I do look most unpleasant. Why are you doing this to me? This isn't Mr. Goodman's idea. He's your good friend, whereas I am a victim of your carnivorous lunar activities. Mr. Brinsley, I'm sorry. I have absolutely no idea what to say to you. You've left my wife a widow, and my children fatherless. And I understand I am to walk the earth in limbo, one of the living dead, until the wolf's bloodline is severed and the curse lifted. You must die, David Kessler. David, this is Harry Berman and his fiancée, Judith Browns. Hello. Hello. And these gentlemen are Alf, Ted, and Joseph. 
can't say we're pleased to meet you, Mr. Kessler. What shall I do? Suicide. You must take your own life. That's easy for you to say. You're, you're already dead. No, David. Harry and I and everyone you murder are not dead. The undead. Why are you doing this to me? Because this must be stopped. How shall I do it? Sleeping pills. Not sure enough. I could hang myself. No. No, if you did it wrong, it could be painful. You'd choke to death. So what? Let him choke. Do you mind? The man's a friend of mine. Well, he ain't no friend to me. Gentlemen, please. The gun! I know where you can get a gun. Don't I need a silver bullet or something? Oh, be serious, would you? Madness. No, a gun would be good. Yes, you just put the gun to your forehead and pull the trigger. Well, if you put it in your mouth, you'd be sure not to miss. Thank you. You're all so thoughtful. A knife. An electric shock. A car crash. You could throw yourself in front of a tube. Drowning. Jack introduces David to his victims from the previous night because now these people who have died are also chilling around in limbo. And there's six other people. They all are like, hey, why don't you kill yourself? I know. This is kind of just like what my dreams are like. Like just a group of people. (laughs) Except it's your family. (laughs) Yeah, right. And close it's like friends. that time that we started a band. Oh wow! With that hot chick lead singer who then went solo and became a big star, <laughs> and all of the uh, fans of hers were demanding that we commit suicide. That's right. Remember that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although she wasn't even the lead singer; she was just the bass player. Yeah, but she became the lead singer. The most famous bass player to ever go solo. <laughs> well, what about Sting? That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> but okay. Sting is not female bass player. They all take turns suggesting different suicide methods, but while inside the theater, day turns to night, really having a hard time grasping time at this point because it wasn't it morning when he was with Alex. How much time has he been on his own? I don't know. I guess things are just jumping around. This, this conversation point. with Jack just going on for like ten hours, just refusing to leave the porno. I know theater. this is a long scene. <laughs> the transformation begins again. And he is now a wolf, and he starts killing the people in the theater. Oh, boy. The police show up. He's, like, trapped in the theater, but then breaks out. Total pandemonium. He bites the head off of, like, the main old police inspector guy. (laughs) It just goes rolling into the street. (laughs) Cars swerving everywhere. Major car accidents. Multiple car accidents in Piccadilly Circus. Many deaths. Scenes in London. (laughs) It's like when... Liverpool won the Premier League. Right. <laughs> just people, people just being beheaded in the streets. Crashing their cars into buildings. <laughs> David is ultimately trapped and surrounded in an alleyway by the police. Alex and Hirsch have heard about the situation on the news and they're rushing to the scene. Somehow they get there immediately. Yeah. This part like doesn't make any sense, but I guess you just have to roll with it for the sake of the movie. Because... The police are like blocking off this area and not letting like anyone down, and it seems like a long alley. Yeah, and I guess David, who is now we've got a him wolf, trapped down there, is down in that alley, like all the way down there. Alex comes to the police barricade and just is like, "I'm going down there," and they're like, "Yeah, I guess she is," and yeah. they just kind of let it happen. Whatever for some you reason. want. <laughs> she runs down the alley and tries to calm David. By telling him that she loves him. Because before they parted when he ran away from her in 
the the morning or whenever that was earlier in the day he said that he loved her wow and she was just sort of stunned they barely know each other (laughs) yeah i mean you can get it from his perspective though police are just like yeah well let's let this play out hold on they're talking let them talk (laughs) (laughs) she's talking to a monster i mean it's literally like the scariest beast that a human could envision it says a lot though about the differences between the british police and the american police yeah let's see if let's, they can work it out let's just think about how the american police react uh, yeah, to that's situations. True, yeah. the, the, the british police good. are just like well there's a giant werewolf but right. we don't want to shoot him <laughs> oh boy <laughs> david is it you David, they're going to kill you. David, please, please let me help you. I love you, David. When she says this, there does seem to be some momentary recognition, but then he lunges forward and is shot by the police, which, again, this alley is so long, and the police seem like they're so far away. I don't know how they're, like, shooting around Alex. Like, the logistics of this scene never really work for me. So there's, like, that pause where it's, like, he is almost, like, recognizing her for a second. Yeah, yeah. But it, it doesn't actually make any sense because he clearly has no memory. He's faking out. <laughs> the yeah. wolf is faking her out. <laughs> yeah, I guess, if anything, there's no recognition going on here. I don't know what. I guess just surprised that his dinner's trying to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> the police shoot him dead. The film ends with Alex crying. Kind of an abrupt ending. As David, now human again, lays dead and naked in the street. And yeah. It's such a bizarre <laughs> the moment police... because there's not this movie never feels very serious, like very heavy. The police are just like, oh, what do you know? Another escaped lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> and yet Alex is like crying, like her face is like a close up. The emotion is like very real and it's sort of out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, wow. OK, that's kind of a heavy end. And then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ba 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 ba, just like right into like ba bing ba boom ba ba blue moon, you're like what the fuck? Credits are rolling. That actually got a well, laugh from me. I think that I thought that was the funniest part of the whole movie was that abrupt song starting right that, there, and it kind of fits in with just the erratic tone of the whole movie. Yeah, I do think that they've been trying to push the idea that David playing a Jewish character is supposed to. Uh, be a bigger deal and there's like this ostracized feeling in a country of like non-jews and it it, it is referenced that he's jewish in the movie but i I just don't really feel like that's that much a part of this it just never gets mentioned that this is really uh, an overly deep movie that's going for much more than surface value yeah i kind of feel that way too but you know how things are sure and now I think 
Landis and some of the other people involved that are more on board with that because it makes it sound more intellectual than it really okay, is. Right, but yeah. Overall, it's fun, and the transformation is really cool, and the makeup on the zombie versions of Jack looks great. I wish that more movies like this won Oscars, like Best Makeup and Best yeah, Visual true. Effects. It seems like they kicked it off this way, but then ignored movies that should have won it throughout the 80s and 90s and now gave it, it to like... like- you know, oh, we made somebody look old for five seconds. Oh, right, yeah. They win best makeup. Yeah, it feels like this is a category where movies that aren't contending for like best picture would be able to show up and maybe win something. But it does feel like this is always something, you know, the movies that got nominated for like nine yeah. awards are showing up in this category. Now, sometimes that is deserved, but there are a lot of years where that isn't. Right. And it shouldn't be the case. And, and stuff like this that comes out does get ignored a lot of the time Mm -hmm. but what can you do sure it's a fun movie but it's not particularly scary or anything like that if anything like i said it just it has such a unique feel to me and i do always kind of like it for that just because of the look of london or the i'm not even london but like the the moors and all that shit yeah i think that's part of it but again i just also think you have a hard time really knowing how you're supposed to feel because you don't really feel scared you don't really feel funny you don't really feel like you're laughing through it but just some of the stuff feels so different like these long dream sequences certainly the transformation sequence it stands out you you certainly don't feel like a lot of other movies feel like an american werewolf in london what are you doing what what vincent stopped making picks how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. So there you have it. Let's get to recommendations. Last week I said I was going to try to steer into a little bit of horror-related recommendations if I could. I haven't had like a ton of time to, to get into stuff. But I'm going to recommend a couple of things this week couple of movies the first of which is pretty new when it is on netflix and no it is not the movie cuties okay. <laughs> which is getting all this attention i don't even know what that is you're better off okay <laughs> it's like these like sexualized little girls it's like know. this movie that came out of france or i don't know some like young i don't know i think it's like some young muslim girl who's sort of like dealing with that but then like gets involved with this weird shit and I don't really know what to believe or not believe or what the deal is. Some people are like, it's an artistic statement. Some are like, this is creepy child porn type stuff. I don't wow. know. Okay. It was made by a woman, but that doesn't really matter, I guess. It's it's caused a lot of people to do like hashtag cancel Netflix and stuff. Oh, it's, wow. It's sort of okay. been, been like a big deal for the last week or two. Netflix is still like defending it and refusing to pull it off. I'm Jeez. not really in favor of censorship in general but i don't really know anything about the movie so i'm not gonna mention it i'm never gonna watch it i don't want to know yeah let's never talk about this again what i am gonna recommend is on netflix it's a netflix original it's a sequel to a movie that came out a couple years ago called the babysitter oh this is called the babysitter killer queen all right it just came out the other day it's been towards the top of the netflix charts for a few days since it came out the original starred samara weaving yeah. 
and a bunch of people. Someone we're a fan of on this show, I would say. Bella Thorne is in it. <laughs> okay. So there's that. A few other people. I don't know the main kid's name. His dad is Ken Marino. Okay. His mom is that woman that's married to Sam Rockwell, I think. What's her name? Mm, I think that's Leslie her. Bibb? Yeah, I think that's yeah. her. Okay. Anyway, the first one is a lot of fun. That's still on Netflix, so I would check that out first. It's directed by Mick G, of all people. And it's this crazy night. There's satanic cults. The main kid is babysat by Samara Weaving, which is hard to really imagine <laughs> that right. happening. Yeah. <laughs> The sequel takes place a few years older. The kid looks a lot older, but I think that's just, you know, puberty because I'm pretty sure it's the same kid. And the second one is wild. The heel turns and baby face turns are all over the place. The story is completely ludicrous, especially by the end where you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> the deaths and the kill sequences Insane. are like Final Destination-esque okay, at yeah. times where you're just like, this is ridiculous. All right. The blood and exploding and all that shit. It's not as good as the first one, but it's still pretty enjoyable. Even though Bella Thorne and all of the other people from the cult, I'm sorry, I don't know all their names. Okay. The Asian girl from Pitch Perfect is one of them. Oh, okay. And then the other two dudes, I don't really know. They all are back somehow. doesn't really matter. The main kid is back. The girl that he liked who lived across the street is back. I'm not going to give anything away, but the story is... I was like kind of shocked by some of the stuff they did with it the ending is pretty cool i don't really think it's a spoiler to say this because she posted it on instagram and now they've added her to the imdb but they were definitely dancing around whether or not samara weaving was going to be back i wouldn't say that she's like an a-list star now but she kind of has outgrown this probably how much they would have wanted to pay her but she is back a little bit okay (laughs) that's enough for me she's in it a little bit yeah not a lot, but a little bit. Okay. And so there's some payoff with that. They did kind of hint with like a post-credits thing, like, oh, maybe there's like more to this. But even if this one does good numbers on Netflix, I still would be somehow blown away by that. Like, I don't really know. I can't imagine Smart Weaving wanting to do a third one since she's barely in the second one. But Yeah. And I don't know. if Maybe they're thinking we could do it without her. I think that would probably be dumb. Anyway. Okay. The Babysitter 2. If you like blood and crazy shit, The Babysitter Killer Queen on Netflix now. And my second one is another John Landis movie from 1985 called Into the Night. Oh. Starring Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer. Have never seen, but you've told me about it before. It's very similar to After Hours, which is a Scorsese movie that stars Griffin Dunn from American Werewolf in London. But. It's like one of those yuppies in peril movies from the 80s where a kind of lonely dude, like a working stiff, gets sucked into this crazy night, usually led by a beautiful woman played by Michelle Pfeiffer. I don't know if this is streaming anywhere. It is available on Blu-ray. It's probably somewhere. I'll put it in the notes of the episode when I look it up later. Okay. Didn't have time to check, but Into the Night is a lot of fun, too. I don't know if I would really consider myself like the biggest John Landis fan, but there, he definitely has some movies that I like. Oh, yeah. He hasn't really done anything. I can't remember even what the last thing he would have done that had sure. any impact uh, would I have been. I don't know, yeah. But that's, that's how it is for a lot of directors that were once Absolutely. very prominent. That's right. Hard to keep it going. All right, let's hear yours. All right, uh, another Netflix recommendation. 
Hashtag uh, cancel Netflix. Yeah, not <laughs> what was it? Cute, cute cuties, cuties. Uh, not cuties for me either. But um, <laughs> there's probably some people who are like, I can't even believe they would joke about this. Well, yeah, folks, we okay. haven't seen this. Matt didn't even know about it, so just relax. <laughs> yeah. We're just. I'm so out of touch all the time with what's going on. But I did see the trailer for this when they put it up there that it was something coming, and I'm like, oh yeah, I do want to check that out when it's on there. Charlie Kaufman directed. I'm thinking of ending things based off a novel, I guess. It's psychological thriller, I guess. It's not that thrilling, though, I, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but it is unsettling at times. Definitely very Lynchian throughout. A lot of the scenes feel very Lynchian. Well acted, I would say. Although it's really hard to piece together what everything means. A lot of stuff open to interpretation. A lot of nuggets in there that you really would not pick up on. Like so, The references are so specific that you would not know it unless you're like reading about it afterwards. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's like, there's some stuff there. It, it's interesting. Liked it. Didn't love it. But there's always something interesting with uh, the mind of Charlie Kaufman. So yeah, that that's my recommendation for the week. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. And based on what you're saying, getting less excited. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, mean, I do like all the Charlie Kaufman stuff. Sometimes it can be hard to mentally want to dive into something like well, that, that and i will say this one is a bit too on the long side and i know that's i'm guilty of criticizing movies for that a lot but two hours and 15 minutes of incoherent dribble <laughs> now and listen for we'll put that on the poster that quote <laughs> i'm making it seem like i hated it I, I didn't like it is some of the stuff is well done and it is kind of like creepy and unsettling and like i said <laughs> there's references in this thing that you're just like you would never know where this came from. Film reviews from somebody. <laughs> There's like scenes of dialogue talking about, you know, a Cassavetes movie. And right. it's like all taken from a review that some woman did from the New Yorker, you know, okay. about the, it's Yeah, it's nuts. Folks, that'll do it for an American werewolf in London. We keep the greatest, greatest October rolling on next week. Thank you for listening. Follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Let us know what you think on Twitter or in a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Anything else? Nope, good to go. All right, we'll talk to you soon. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein kitchen door You better not let him in Little old lady got mutilated late last night Werewolves of London again
and a gent who ran amok in Kent. Lately he's been overheard in Mayfair. You better stay away from him. He'll rip your lungs out, Jim. I'd like to meet his tailor. Salon Cheney walking with the Queen Doing the werewolves of London I saw Lon Cheney Jr. walking with the Queen Doing the werewolves of London I saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's and His hair was perfect This is great banter. It really is.